Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. football podcast here on the belief podcast network the number one podcast network for professionals and the only place for every new york football team and their fans do you believe i'm your host steven tino rodriguez and welcome back to another edition of the new york football podcast you can check us out on apple podcast google play stitcher spotify and of course the believe website BLEAV.com. Like, download, rate, and subscribe on all platforms. Be sure to also follow us on Twitter at NYFootballPod, as well as myself at Tino Rodriguez. Another awesome show for you guys today. As always, the Mage will be stopping by to talk about the recent news on the DeAndre Baker situation. Saquon also got rated a 89 in Madden. And we dish out some fantasy, dynasty redraft situations and advice. But before we do that, let's get caught up on the sports around New Jersey and New York. And as you all know by now, I am a high school football coach, uh, coaching up linebackers and wide receivers at Weehawken High School. Now, as any former football players or current football players listening out there, you would know that usually this time of year is time for seven on sevens and summer workouts and just, you know, coming together as a team. Now, although high school student athletes in this area won't exactly be able to experience that this season, it appears that they at least will be able to experience a fall season. Now, New Jersey announced that the season is expected to begin on October 1st with uh, camps beginning when the school year starts around second week of September. Now, with the talks of conferences moving the seasons to spring, uh, this is encouraging news that New Jersey is preparing to get the high school football season started and the school year started uh, just with only a slight delay, just about a one-month delay in the season from when it would have initially started. So now, um, that's awesome. That's awesome news, and obviously the Giants and the Jets play football here in New Jersey, so you'd like the hope if Jersey's letting things go in October and camps can start in September, that would mean the football season could potentially at this point be in line to start on time as they discuss that it is, but more concrete stuff going on that could reassure you football fans out there that the season may actually happen and start on time. So awesome stuff, awesome stuff there for uh, Jersey and just hearing that the death rates in New York are starting to take the ultimate dip and even touching down near single digits and zeros. But now I'm going to get you guys ready for my discussion with the mage. He's here for the third time. The most, I think the most times anyone has been on here so far. 
We dish out fantasy advice as always. We talk all things Giants, and we break down some exciting upcoming announcements that uh, that we have to offer you guys. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Here he is, the Mage. All right, now we have on my good friend, a three time member of the New York football pod family here coming on the most so far out of any guest I've had. Um, I don't want you back, but you keep coming back. It's like, it's like, it's like the, uh, it's like a cold. It's like a bad cold, but a cold. I love mage. You are a cold. I love the mage is here at the mage underscore NFL. The one of the two hosts for the Murph and the mage podcast. Mage, welcome. How's it going, man? Good, man. Um, I don't know. You kind of likened me to a cockroach that uh, just doesn't die. So I'm not sure how to feel about that introduction. But uh, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm good to be here after that type of introduction. I Thank you, I guess. I just want to give you a hug after the intro. You know, I'm trying to take it out of your playbook. That's really what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to think on my feet of just creative things I could describe people as that you know, because it could seem like it himself, but it really is a compliment. There's, there's nothing wrong with you keep coming back. You know, people, some people love taking medicine. You know, don't, don't speak for everyone. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Your first problem is if you're emulating anything I do, you should probably seek immediate <laughs> medical and mental health attention because I am no one that anybody should be emulating. I'll tell you that right now. But you do have a nice beard, and I have a nice beard, so we can say we emulate each other off that. So there you go. That's a legitimate compliment. That one. That one. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, major sure. looking cockroach with a beard. Got it. So here we are. Let's think. Maybe four weeks after speaking to each other last, uh, you were on here, and we were talking about the DeAndre Baker situation. And my God, wow! And we can give out the details here first. Um, DeAndre Baker and Quentin Dunbar have now been pretty much outed for, for paying people off. Uh, apparently there are videos, pictures and whatnot of them exchanging money with lawyers and them literally paying the people off text messages, IG messages. It's not good. It's not, it's not good. He's caught just nope. about as red handed as possible. Um, Mage, I'll let you jump in. What does it mean for him with the giants and just overall with the NFL? Oh, man, last time we talked about this, I was so sure about everything. And by the way, uh, my co-host, uh, Murph, he tweeted out something the other day, which I had no idea, and I found the most hilarious thing. But did you realize or did you know that Brad Cohen was on The Apprentice and he was fired by Donald Trump? No, I, don't, I didn't know that. Yeah, so uh, Murph tweeted that out the other day, which I found really interesting. So there's an episode of DeAndre Baker's lawyer on The Apprentice being fired by Donald Trump. (laughs) So that is just absolutely hilarious. But yet that just goes to show you the type of circus that this has been. From a perspective with the Giants, I'm going to give you my personal opinion, uh, not what I think or what I think might happen because at this point I'm tired of guessing, but if he can help the giants win games, then fuck it. I'm, I'm all for keeping him. Now, if it turns out that he's guilty, he did bribe them. 
you know, it, there was this whole video with the messages where they were coming down, and then there was another guy involved named Coach. Uh, there was an exchange. Uh, DeAndre Baker had texted him or messaged him and said, I'm getting the money now. There was an exchange in the elevator for black bag and money. Like, it doesn't get, like, any more, like, comical than that. Like, The police I, I, report was bad. Not to jump in. The police report was bad, and I thought it couldn't get worse. But hearing the details of them paying people off, I mean, it's – it's not much better. <laughs> it's like it. I'm not surprised. Like we talk about this all the time. I'm not surprised, but it's like I just feel like it's such a stupid thing to do. The first thing was stupid. This one's just even more baffling. And like you said, I mean, the guy is a joke. He got fired on The Apprentice. So it's like it's nuts to me that here we are, two years later, a first round pick that we traded up to get is just as dimwitted as this right now. Well, that's the most damning part of this for me is that DeAndre Baker, I think, had all the physical tools. And on Murph and the Mage, Murph hasn't really provided much of his input on our podcast about this, but Murph said from the beginning that he just seemed like he just wasn't interested. He had no interest in playing football and that, you know, basically DeAndre just came off as dumb as bricks. And it's it's – so disconcerting, but you see it with athletes all the time, is that if the skill set is there, the talent is there, but the mental aspect of the game just isn't. And the fact that we traded up a first round or, or into the first round to get him, this is going to be another thing that Giants fans are going to look at, that they're going to go ahead and that they're going to put against um, Gettleman. No, yeah, so – Here's the thing. I mean, we broke down the last time we were together. We pretty much broke down what the value they lost and whatnot from, you know, to trade into the first round. And so it wasn't detrimental, their losses. It's not like we gave up anything significant to get him. But the fact that it happened does not make us look good. It doesn't make him look good. And what it becomes is, obviously, if he's going to help the Giants, they're going to keep him around. I just don't know if so much shit is going to come out and the trial is just going to end up getting to the point where they're not going to have a choice and their hand's going to be forced. Just, you know, that's how these things work sometimes. Well, the lawyer in this situation had said that basically they had set these people up to basically show that they were extorting DeAndre Baker. But the newest revelation now is that DeAndre Baker's, or not DeAndre Baker, I'm sorry, Dunbar's attorney no longer represents him after all this. That's not a good look for DeAndre Baker. Mm -hmm. So I really don't know what's going to happen with this. But now the question is something we can try to determine, at least in the short future, because until the legal battle is done, the Giants have told Baker to stay away from the team. So um, with that said, who, I guess, essentially steps in? People were going to compete for that spot anyways. That we've talked about each time you've been on here. That even the first time you came on, we were talking about how that second cornerback position, he was going to have to work for it regardless, just based on talent because of the depth and the people that we have on our team. Um, who do you like to step in there and just kind of thrive to the occasion? So two names came to mind the other day. after somebody actually uh, the question on Twitter. And I said, Corey Ballantyne. And then I also said Darnay Holmes, which I was immediately told um, that he's going to play the slot. There's no way that he plays outside. 
you know, he's, it's just not going to happen. However, Nick Filato, who we also had on the podcast, wrote an article for SI, and he also broke down the number of snaps that he took on the left side versus the right side and in the slot. And Darnay Holmes only took 16 snaps in the slot in college. This is an outside quarterback. He's played outside. Now, granted, if you want to say he's undersized at 5'9", granted, there's also been – another DB that had success that was a little bit smaller too, and Brent Grimes mm-hmm. went up having a pretty good career in the NFL at cornerback. Yeah. So I know Darnay would probably exceed in the slot position due to his size, but Hey, you just got done saying, uh, Tino, that this is an open competition. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with competition at the position. So whether it be Sam Beal, whether it be Corey Ballantyne, whether it be Darnay Holmes or love, Julian Love, a lot of people are saying that his speed, I think Julian Love is a little bit, yeah, I think he's suited more for a safety position. Um, But, hey, I I don't think that there's anything wrong with the competition there. Now, the other thing is players can opt out of the season uh, with uh, COVID. At least that's being discussed right now between the NFLPA and the NFL. So I posed a question on Twitter the other day right? Because Nate Solder has been one person that has been outspoken about this. So if Nate Solder opts out and chooses not to play this year, that is now, I believe, 17 or $19 million that the Giants are going to have under their cap for this year. Could they bring in a free agent corner wow. like a Logan Ryan? Or, you know, even maybe an older veteran for one year, like yeah. a Aqib Tlaib. Mm. Tremaine Johnson, I know that the Jets released. But if he wants back in the NFL, he might be motivated to play under a one-year deal. Hmm. Or do you bring in a veteran like Morris uh, Claiborne, who's still out there as well? So I think there's going to be a lot of options here. So I'll throw it to you for your opinion. No, that's an interesting way to look at it. I mean, we haven't even talked about that yet between us. Uh, Just the idea that players can most definitely opt out of the season and not just throw a curveball throughout the NFL. And, uh, you know, that layer – to peel off is something within itself. Solder has been very outspoken by it. Uh, we can go down a rabbit hole that if he does do that, sure, they could spend money elsewhere. What does the offensive line look like? But not even just for the Giants, uh, the Jets even, but everywhere in the NFL. I mean, this could really change the landscape of a lot of things. And already you see teams thin. The Eagles just today signed an all-pro left tackle, their franchise left tackle, Jason Peters, signed him back finally to play guard, even at his age, because they have to. So, again, a lot of these teams, and especially the offensive line, most teams can't necessarily afford some of these guys to opt out or even get hurt for that matter. And if that happened, we have a completely different outlook on this season and all these predictions can almost go to shit just because of, you know, a few positive COVID tests. Well, for the Giants, I think they'll be okay because they still have Cam Fleming in which they signed. So they can move Cam Fleming to the right tackle and then they can go ahead and move Andrew Thomas to left tackle, which he played in college. So he should be able, I know they probably want to transition him into that uh, spot, but still there's, I don't think there's anything wrong in a shortened season where you're going to be missing some players that Andrew Thomas starts as your left tackle. So as long as they don't lose anybody else on that offensive line, I think that the Giants should actually be okay. But who do you think will create competition at that cornerback position if DeAndre Baker isn't on the team? 
Well, so I'm the issue with the Giants is I feel like a lot of the youngest guys played everywhere on the field uh, last year. So the only thing I don't want to see out of this competition is that you devote all these guys that we just named. So if you outlier Julian Love right away and say he's a, he's a safety, that's fine. So that kind of separates him. But now you're going to have Holmes, Valentine, like you said, who also played some safety, getting looks at corners. Essentially, my point is, are these guys going to solidify themselves as pro athletes at that position, or are we just going to keep plugging and playing them everywhere, you know, as depth guys? Obviously, someone will win the slot position, but the point being, not even who's going to win that position, just what position are they actually? You know, Valentine needs to find a role on the offense. They even had him inside the box as an interior linebacker for some tight end coverage at some point. So there's a million ways they want to put these guys, and I'm sure under Patrick Graham they will be. So that's fine. I expect that. It's just I don't want some of these guys, and I talk about Corey Ballantyne really getting the short end of the stick for this reason, but just getting caught in the mud and not really knowing their actual assignment come time for especially man-to-man coverage because they play everywhere on the field and they're kind of overwhelmed with you know some of these NFL schemes. It's not easy to play man-to-man coverage at three different levels of an NFL defense. There's no way you could just ask that from a second-year player and expect that result. Well, Corey's going to be at a disadvantage again. So because he missed part of last season because he was shot. Um, you know, unfortunately, his friend passed away in that shooting. And then now this year with the COVID. So he, you know, Corey Ballantyne showed so much potential last year um, towards the end of the season. I think he has the ability, but again, it's going to be difficult. I like what you said, because I also brought up that point today about um, something else. Well, Chris Jones got paid. So did you see that massive contract? Yeah, four years. So, yeah, so I think we can say goodbye to Leonard Williams at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But the point that I had brought up is that, hey, maybe the Giants end up finding a trade partner for Leonard Williams this year and maybe recoup some of those assets. And then, you know, people were talking about, well, you know, we kind of need him and stuff like that. So to your point about the outside cornerback position, I trust Joe Judge and Patrick Graham. I believe that this is going to come down to schemes and it's going to come down to game plan. Mm-hmm. And it's going to change week by week, especially if the Giants end up running a 3-3-5. Like, I kind of expect that they would based on some of the earlier chatter. Mm-hmm. They're going to be able to disguise a lot of those weaknesses up front. So, And you have two guys that can play in the box and McKinney and Peppers – I think it's going to be real interesting to see what they do this offseason. And that's the thing. I mean, you talk about McKinney, and I'm so excited about Xavier McKinney, but you want to just throw Darnay Holmes into the slot, slot, slot. But why? I mean, again, Xavier McKinney can really go all over the field too. So why wouldn't you want Xavier McKinney in that slot position where he's more than capable to cover either the slot itself, a tight end, or just come screaming off the edge because you could disguise it so well? I would rather take my chances on Darnay on the outside let him play the proven position. And if he earns the job, just let him earn the job. I have no issue getting some of these younger guys involved. Because you talk about Baker real quick. He's a first-round pick, so he gets the first looks uh, as a rookie. You know, there's no shame when it's a first-round pick, but just because some of these guys get drafted later and later, it seems like you can't justify why they're starting. If a guy plays well enough, I don't care if he's a rookie or a six-year guy, you got to play him. And if Darnay plays well enough to uh, get on the field, why not play him? All right. So with that said, let's stop talking about Giants cornerbacks because it'll start to get depressing soon. If it's not depressing already, um, 
And let's go over to something just as, I would say, sad, but it, it's sad in a funny way. Now, I'm going to list some names, and you just tell me if these guys are better than Saquon Barkley. Okay. Aaron Jones, Dalvin no. Cook. No. <laughs> Nick Chubb. No. There's only Nick Chubb is better than Saquon Barkley, all right? But if you can't get the butt of the joke yet, here's what happened. Yesterday, about 24 hours ago, this is Tuesday, this was the exact Madden order of ratings. So CMC is a 99. Mind you, also a fantasy perspective. This is Madden, Mage. This is Madden. And you're deciding between Saquon and CMC. And at first, CMC was a 99. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven spots down is Saquon, 10 overall rating points less than him at an 89. Now, us being New York heads and people having their way on Twitter, obviously, Madden got a lot of shit. <laughs> Not a little. Uh, deservingly, but got a lot of shit. And so today, we wake up, and he's now tied fifth with Cook at 91. Now, I'm not saying they got it right this time either, but the point is they changed it. What is your thought on the blatant disrespect of Saquon Barkley? And is it as simple as he just had shitty statistics last year, so they don't think he's that good? Or is Madden just being Madden? I am so glad that you asked me this question. Thank you very much, Tino. (laughs) Because I will tell you this. One, the Madden franchise has gone downhill for years. Years. It's the same shitty product with updated rosters every single year. It's just ridiculous. I mean, there's a video out there of Tariq Cohen mossing somebody and, like, trucking through defenders. It's just ridiculous. Did you see him get mossed by the high school kid? Did you see Oh, the the Tyreek Hill video? Yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about Tariq Cohen. There's, there's like, a Madden gameplay video of him, like, mossing. Separate Tariq, but the second you said Tariq Cohen moss, I was like, Tariq Hill got moss. Yeah, that was a sick one-handed catch, too. That was that high schooler. Yeah. But, so, the Madden gameplay sucks. All right, I, it, it just does. I don't know what they're ever going to do. NFL 2K was one of the best franchises I ever played with Terrell Owens in the Eagles uniform on the cover. That was one of the best I've ever had. But you know what? And Saquon, I hope you're listening because I know you, I know you follow the mage and I know that you are extremely interested in what the mage has to say. So I hope you're, that you're listening because you know what? I can't wait. Saquon is going to fucking bury a cornerback next year because of all the disrespect he's got in this offseason from everyone. Everyone has disrespected Saquon. Madden is just a cherry on top of the Sunday. So I can't wait because next year, this guy is going to run through people, around people, over people. And then if he can't, he's going to put your fucking helmet into the turf. I mean, he's embarrassed fucking Heath from the Cowboys. He's embarrassed the Detroit Lions. I mean, I love it because Saquon is going to be running like a fucking madman next year. And please, please keep disrespecting Saquon. Please. And look, as far as everybody else goes, man, and this and the other thing, if I can continue here for a second, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, please. So Saquon Barkley was voted the number one running back in the NFL by scouts, NFL executives, and front office staff. There were 50 people polled. 
Saquon Barkley was voted the best running back in the NFL. And as Giants fans, we see this with Daniel Jones too. Because if you want to base Daniel Jones off of his stats last year, now granted, if he would have had three more games, he, he could have easily broken the NFL rookie record for, mm-hmm. as a passer. He didn't. So, granted, but then when you look at his stats, he was towards the bottom half of the quarterbacks. But, again, if you watch the game, he didn't play like a bottom half quarterback with the fumbles aside. Saquon Barkley is an absolute beast. This guy is a fucking machine. He still broke 1,000 yards last year on a high ankle sprain and came back way before he was supposed to. So I had an idiot Washington Redskins fans in my mention this morning, and he's going on about how Saquon Barkley deserved the 89 rating from Madden, okay? And his logic was, well, Saquon will rush for, you know, five yards and then break off a 95-yard run. So, again, me being the kind of stat geek that I am on the show – and also on Twitter, I had to break it down, all right? So Saquon Barkley in 2019 had only five runs that went 25 yards or more, okay? Those five runs totaled 253 yards combined. Saquon ran for 1,003 yards in 13 games, all right? So let's say you want to take away those three big runs, 25 or more yards. Take them away. He still rushed for 750 yards, right? Which is an average of three and a half yards per carry on a high ankle sprain, all right? You're doing the the O-line favors. You're helping the O-line out. High ankle sprain with a awful (laughs) O-line. So, and to tie this to New York even further, okay, because this is a New York football pod. Three and a half yards per carry. That's discounting his 253 yards on the big runs. That was still more than Le'Veon Bell at 3.2 yards per carry with no discount. So on a high ankle sprain, discount all his big plays, still average more yards per carry than Le'Veon Bell, who was once the best, fo- the best running back in all of football. You know what, Tino? I'm done. I'm dropping the mic. Yeah, and again, Le'Veon also had a terrible offensive line. So it doesn't make it any better, but the point is the numbers are staggering when you really break it down to that point. And anyone that knows football, the fact that you're getting three and a half yards per pop, that means you're a very good running back. It, it just does. You're breaking over the mean, and especially in the NFL, that shit ain't easy. You average three and a half yards to carry. You run the ball three times with him. You get it first down. That's what that means, and that's what makes him the best running back in the NFL. Even though everyone knows he's going to get the ball on the Giants, at least for the most part in recent years, he was still able to do that. And that says a lot for uh, what he was able to do as a talent. So I don't even need to say anymore. Obviously, Madden shot out of its mind, and I am sure that rating is just going to continue to go up. But the guy wasn't even a 90, and he was a number, he's a number one overall pick in fantasy. and voted the best running back in the league a week ago. That was a week ago. Less, I think. It's respectful. It's retarded. 
And they're like, okay, let me let me raise his ratings by two. Not only that, the biggest knock apparently was his vision. They had him like tied 60th. They had him like, what? I, I saw Barry Sanders re, uh, respond today. Yeah. yeah. Barry Sanders said that he deserved more in his Madden rating with the vision because uh, nobody else sees the game like he does. He can't. It's he had no holes to run through. He had he needed vision. He had to find his own holes. What are you talking about, Madden? Don't forget oh. with a rookie quarterback too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, Giants fans, continue yeah. to do your thing. Continue to bitch at Madden, and I guarantee you, by the end of this week, he'll at least be a ninety-three. Yeah, which would only actually that would be top two. That would be top two because Derrick Henry's 93. But everyone knows even in Madden, Derrick Henry's a 93, but he's definitely not one of the best running backs in Madden. No way. He's not a Madden running back. How do you throw any passes to him? Can't. No. And no also way. Saquon's broken tackles and yards after uh, first contact. I mean, it, the guy, it, he's just an absolute beast. He really and is. The farms and his jukes. Let's not forget about those. And the fact that he has tree trunks as legs, but – I guess that I guess actual squats and deadlifts don't translate to video games. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? No, and his hamstrings. I'm sorry, but they his hamstrings look like they're growing little baby arms. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I I would kill to squat what he squats. But let's move forward, onward and upward here, and we will talk about rookies. Now, I promised the people some dynasty advice but before we get to rookies let's stay on running backs because we happen to be in the same league for the first question i'm going to ask you and it ended up that we are twins and you decided the same thing but just for the people at home we can talk this one out similar to the madden ratings these guys are between two points of each other but i had the choice i was mid-rounds now granted i didn't know it was a super flex i will preference this but anyways (laughs) It was between, I like going running backs. It was between Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon. And I had told you that, and I splurged and went with Joe Mixon, and you said you did the same thing. Why do you feel that's a good choice? Why do you think that's a good move to make? So the ironic thing is, well, one, I think everybody's kind of aware of Dalvin Cook's injury history, Mm -hmm. right? Even aside from that, though, Dalvin Cook only has one 1,000-yard season. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I would have to pull up the stats, but I believe it was barely 1,000 yards. Now, just think, Joe Mixon has done that, I believe, two of the three seasons with a terrible offensive line, right? Last year, they were missing A.J. Green. That that offense was decimated. No Tyler Eifert, no Andy Dalton. Nothing, yeah. And still, Mixon finds a way to just make something out of nothing. And he's younger. Mm-hmm. I, I think Mixon's still only 23 years old. Yeah. Yep. 20, 23 or 24, something like that. He might be turning so, 24, but yeah. But still, I mean, it feels like he's been in the league forever already. To see that he's still only 23 years old, which, again, still when I look at uh, certain players, I forget that Todd Gurley's only 25 years old. Mm-hmm. Well, Joe Mixon was interesting because he had to leave college early for the whole thing he got involved with at Oklahoma, you know, the, the whole dispute or whatever. We don't need to get into details, but it rolled over. He kind of forced himself out. He went under the radar uh, during the draft, and the Bengals ended up with him. But everyone has known about Joe Mixon's talent since college. That's never been denied. And now the thing with Cook as well is the contract situation. So we're talking about dynasty. So his own team doesn't necessarily – 
want to give him the money he's asking for, similar to Melvin Gordon last season. So uh, just seeing that whole thing unfold the way it did, it's not to say that Melvin Gordon isn't going to thrive in Denver and he did get paid by Denver. But at the same time, it's kind of just an issue you don't want to deal with. Uh, Mixon has to get a contract too. I just think it's more likely that the Bengals keep him home as well and focus the offense around him. Whereas I just don't see the Vikings committing to the fact that Cook should be the star of that offense. So Cook did rush for 1,135 yards last year, so not barely. Um, didn't break 1,000 any of his previous two seasons, but his yards per carry was 4.78, 4.62, and 5.54 last year. Uh, but he did have the 13 rushing touchdowns, which I don't think is going to happen again this year. So, you know, that's very difficult uh, when you think about him keeping up that type of production from a touchdown perspective. Now, Joe Mixon, on the other hand, Joe Mixon has rushed for 1,000 yards in 2008, 2019. He is only 23 years old. And in 2008, he actually averaged almost five yards per carry. Last year, he did have 28 more touches than Cook, um, but about the same kind of yardage output. So his yards per carry was a little bit low at 4.09, and he only had five touchdowns. But again, we addressed all the reasons why that's still so impressive given how decimated the Bengals were last year. And in the worst-case scenario, the thing is, too, and for all you fantasy guys out there that are listening in, Joe Mixon's going to eat at the end of games, too. Even if Joe Burrow falls to the ground and is nothing like he should be, the dump-offs in a full-point PPR league, too, feed into Joe Mixon even more, especially when you look at the guys behind him. And I don't like to talk about backup running backs all that much, but since we're on the fantasy topic – Alexander Madison has more of a chance to be fantasy relevant this year than Gio Bernard, who might not even get picked back up, or whoever else you want to even mention that is on the Bengals roster as of now. So that's also a security. Granted, it kind of scares you that you don't necessarily have a handcuff to pick up, that you get production out of the offense, but sometimes it's a gamble you're willing to take because you know the percentage he'll be on the field for and just the total volume of offense he's about to eat because there are no other weapons. A.J. Green, I don't think, has even fully officially come back to the team yet. So as of now, he is still their number one weapon aside from Joe Burrow. Now, speaking of quarterbacks, besides the big – now, I don't want to say this is a big fantasy three, but I'm going to say it's a big fantasy three. But now Mahomes, Lamar, and Russell Wilson have been – running fantasy quarterback studs for years now, a few years now, Lamar more recently than the other two, but have been the fantasy darlings, you can say. Which of the guys coming up other than those three, and obviously they're not coming up, but anyways, uh, do you see being the next fantasy darling at quarterback? Which do you see to be the most fun to watch and just – exciting the guy that everyone will want on their fantasy team oh man so at the quarterback position i am going to be a huge homer here and i'm speaking strictly from a fantasy perspective i think that guy's daniel jones Mm. i mean yeah he still has to play his sophomore season yet and see how it plays out but when you talk about somebody that can run and throw I mean right now Josh Allen is a much higher rated fantasy quarterback than he is an NFL quarterback for that reason 
because he can move in the pocket. He does have some wheels to him, but he has that big arm with some accuracy issues. So I think Daniel Jones is actually on a lot of people's radars last year. And let me tell you, Daniel Jones was going late last year. And as with rookies in a startup draft, yeah. I, I mean, in super flex leagues now, he's gone by like maybe the sixth round. Yeah. I mean, it, he's going really high. So that next tier of quarterbacks, I'm going to have to say probably include Kyler Murray. Yep. Daniel Jones. And it's hard to say just yet. I would give it one more year, but I'm going to say Justin Herbert. Wow. Because nice. Justin Herbert's another guy that can move, big arm. Yeah. He has the wheels. I mean, that's the typical or prototypical franchise quarterback now in the NFL. I love Tua. I would love to see what Tua does. Um, Joe Burrow. But, again, when we're talking about that upper echelon guys. You're talking about guys that can also pass and run when it comes to a fantasy perspective. So, yeah. right now, I would even say that Kyler Murray is fourth. So, I uh, I would, I, I would probably teeter with Ky, Kyler Murray probably being fourth. It just, it, Deshaun Watson can probably also be an argument there. Yes. So it, even if you want to flip him, I'm kind of okay with that. So Kyler Murray didn't wow me with his stats last year. He really didn't, and I think he got gifted that rookie of the year, and he didn't actually deserve it. And I think everyone kind of knows that. I think Josh Jacobs should have won it, but it is what it is. Um, I think he should naturally be the next guy in there because of the whole Russell Wilson comparison. They play a similar game, plus they got D-Hop. Um, but I do like your point. I like Daniel Jones to really flourish. I'm surprised that you said Herbert the way you did, not because I don't think that'll be the case in terms of fantasy success, but you also have to compare it to the teams and situations that they're in. Herbert will have a lot easier of a time having fantasy success with dump-offs to Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, who's one of the top five tight ends in, a, in any fantasy level, so just with weapons alone, and if you really were worried about Herbert in terms of fantasy, all you got to do is get Tyrod Taylor, who's built a similar way for fantasy success with legs. He'll spot you until Justin Herbert starts. So that combination to target would make a lot more sense to me than taking, you know, for us in Superflex leagues. Kyler Murray is going round one. I would much rather sit and try to take DJ or one of these other younger guys that are coming in this year just because – based on what I've seen so far. I just wasn't that wowed by what Kyler could do. I think his ceiling is there with his legs. I'm just not sure he's going to commit to running that much uh, in the NFL. Yeah, well, Justin Herbert, for me, the reason why I kind of gave a little bit of pause is because he had some accuracy issues in college. Mm -hmm. So transition into the NFL isn't an easy thing to do, uh, being able to read complicated defenses, et cetera. So – I still don't know how he's going to transition yet. And then a quarterback coming into the NFL that already had accuracy issues kind of leaves something to be desired. Um, but again, based on skill set, that's why I kind of put Justin Herbert in the conversation there. I really like the surrounding parts too. I think, again, if A.J. Green doesn't play for Cincinnati and all Joe Burrow has is Joe Mixon, it's going to be a really hard time there. Of course, they have Auden Tate and other guys like that over there that Tyler Boyd, but yeah, so T. Higgins, of course. It's just, again, you can't bank it on rookies and some of these pieces that are going to just kind of come together in a COVID season. I'm just not convinced that all these guys are just going to gel just like that, especially 
when you see receive like AJ Green still not wanting to go back to that team for just you know for reasons of his own, but still, nonetheless, let's move to receivers now. We're going through well, this thing nice and easy. Go ahead. Well, Murph says that all the time about this year. Um, so it's something that you probably keep an eye on in redraft leagues, but he is fading every rookie this year because of the shortened COVID season. He thinks getting acclimated and not being able to spend time with the coach and staff, he really thinks that's going to hinder a lot of the development for the rookies this year. So that's a good point. Well, they already missed workouts in itself on the field stuff. We talked about it last time you were on, uh, the time that we were on about four weeks ago. Daniel Jones was connecting with Darius Slayton after practices, and that obviously translated to the field. It doesn't always work that way, but I'm just saying that rookies get acclimated with other rookies in June, and here we are nearing the end of July, and these guys have only seen each other on Zoom a handful of times probably. So we'll see. But let's switch over to receivers as we were talking about. And I want to talk about young receivers in particular. It's hard to just phrase this as young receivers because we can go about guys being under 30 and having plenty, plenty to give as well. So I'll try to phrase it as this. Which of the guys kind of 25 and under-ish are you targeting in dynasty leagues? It could either be value-wise. It could be a rookie this year. It could be a guy we even talked about before we came on the show, some under-the-radar guys that, you know, throw a flyer at them and just see what they could do for you. Who are some guys that you're looking at? So, for me, I am a running back whore. So, I will draft running backs until the cows come home, Mm. and I'll usually leave my wide receivers – until like double digit rounds. Matter of fact, I sent you a screenshot of one of my startups. Mm-hmm. I mean, Chubb, uh, Hilaire, um, Aaron Jones, uh, DeAndre Swift, David Johnson, and I'm forgetting who the other one is that I have. But I, I drafted six running backs in six rounds. So when you talk about younger wide receivers, um, again, it's kind of easy, but I think they're going to have a tough transitioning period. But again, I like Jerry Judy. I like C.D. Lamb. I think Justin Jefferson really landed in a nice situation as well. Mm. Um, I don't think by saying Chris Godwin, I don't think that's any revelation to anybody. Nope. But also being Giants fans as well, I also really like Darius Slayton this year. Chris Carson was the other running back. I don't know if you said him. Oh, yes. Thank Chris you. Carson. Yes. You know more about my team than I do. Just pulled up the screenshot. You know, you said it. You <laughs> the hard part. So, I mean, really, I, I like Darius Slayton this year. Um, off of the top of my head, another guy that I, I would really kind of target late, who really came on at the end of last year, too, when they needed him most, is Alan Lazard. Mm. Um, he, gets, he has Aaron Rodgers throwing him the football, which isn't a bad person to have at quarterback. So, and outside of Devontae Adams, I mean, the Packers pretty much told Aaron Rodgers to go fuck himself. They drafted no help. They drafted a running back instead of a wide receiver in A.J. Dillon. They drafted Jordan Love with their first pick. So, I mean, somebody's going to benefit from all those targets. And they don't – they have Jay Sternberger there. But a lot of people expect him to take a step forward. I'll take a flyer on him. But I really like Alan Lazard as a number two wide receiver in Green Bay. So I grabbed Lazard last year in a dynasty league and it's really because, and once you get into dynasty leagues, if you guys aren't, you really just follow anything that just put out information on the guys that you have or just really just football nerd stuff. 
So anyways, you hear these things like Aaron Rodgers is developing connections with this person, that person, and so on and so forth. But when you hear a guy of Rodgers' stature just coming out and supporting this guy, asking for more playing time for him, so on and so forth, which he did, and it ended up paying off, and he was trusting him. Now you even hear it this offseason saying, I really think Lazard's going to be a guy. Then you match that with the fact that this isn't like a short walk-on, underlooked kind of guy. He's 6'5". This is a man's man. I mean, he really has the size to thrive in that offense on the other side. And really, aside from Devontae Adams, the last two years, it's been dart throws. You have Geronimo Allison getting fantasy relevancy. Valdez Gantling, who I think is still there. But these are the names I just... I've never heard Rodgers speak as highly as he does about Lazard with them. Lazard was a rookie last year, and I just think coming into his second year, you're right, rookies might struggle a little bit, but you could target some second-year guys that are going to step in and just kind of have a rapport to thrive. I like, I like Lazard a lot. Obviously, Godwin's an obvious one, but he still plays. He's a young receiver, and someone's got to be the next Julio Jones, you know, and I think Godwin could be that way for the same intangibles and for the same things he's been doing recently. Calvin Ridley is another one that could also step up this year too. So he's being drafted pretty high as a wide receiver one on some teams. I'm still not quite there with him yet, but I think he could take the step up the older that Julio Jones gets. And Julio mm-hmm. Jones, I mean, talk about somebody that's disrespected. Julio Jones is the Every most year. disrespected wide receiver in the league. Every year. I mean, and this guy just quietly really goes about his business aside from his contract negotiations. The league-leading receiver every year, Mish, to jump in. Every year, and because he, what, doesn't score touchdowns and he turned 30 years old, everyone just gets to slander the man's name. It's not his fault he doesn't score the touchdowns. They have a terrible offensive system over there. They, and he's the reason they even get close to scoring touchdowns. He runs the entire length of the field. Just blows my mind the disrespect on Julio Jones. It bothers me, Mace. It bothers me. <laughs> yeah, so Calvin Ridley is right at that 25 um, year old mark right now. So he's another guy that could end up taking a step forward. But um, yeah, it's crazy because Green Bay, I think all of their wide receivers aside from Devontae Adams are like 6'4 or taller. Don't forget they also added, they added Devin Funches this year yeah, also. Funches. I wouldn't hold my breath on punches. But I will say one more young uh, wide receiver who I like to target in dynasties. It's interesting to see how that people value him because I think everyone still teeters on it. But I like him with the new quarterback they're going to have. And that's DJ Moore. I think DJ Moore is the fantasy guy that is just going to be reliable. Maybe in terms of PPR, if the touchdowns don't show because McCaffrey's going to take them all, he'll easily be double digits. I just don't see a game where – you wouldn't see DJ Moore at least getting five receptions, 50 yards, and just at least his floor being a wide receiver too in a PPR league. But I'm high on DJ Moore. He's obviously still very young. Uh, I think third year, right? Third year, maybe fourth year guy. But uh, DJ Moore definitely isn't going anywhere and went off last season. Yeah, this so will be his third improving. year. Yeah, I only see him improving, and that's saying something because he, I think, had 100 catches, 4,000 yards last year, which is nuts. So <laughs> – being that you bring up Carolina, too, the other player to watch for, which isn't being drafted, he's actually going really in drafts, is Curtis Samuel. Mm. And just because Teddy Bridgewater doesn't have that strong of an arm, Curtis Samuel's probably going to play the slot position there in Carolina. So I would consider Curtis Samuel as a sneaky buy real late in drafts. DJ Moore is going very high. 
yeah. um, his in, with his ADP. He's being considered a wide receiver one uh, for all those reasons that you mentioned. They also have Joe Brady there now, um, Lee, who, who led that LSU offense last year. So I also like Curtis Samuel a lot this year, especially if he's going to play a slot. Don't discount the slot receiver, guys. Let me tell you. No, you're right. You're right. I And it's funny because I think they could do a lot of things with DJ Moore as well. I think they could easily slide him in the slot as well, although I don't think they do that. Uh, at the same point, though, Curtis Samuel, I think you hit on the head, especially for that offense with Teddy Bridgewater. It's just interesting the way the NFL is going to look this year. I mean, because we can go on with guys that could thrive in their next years. Nikhil Harry is a name I heard who you – you have no idea about you talk about Devin Funches, some of these guys who haven't played in a year coming back, these young guys, who knows what you're going to get out of them, but some of them are worth the flyer just because what if they do rise to that potential? I mean, Nikhil Harry, a first round pick. I mean, the Pats are kind of invested in, uh, in him and other than Edelman and Sanu, he's going to have to be that other outside guy I think. So DJ Chark in uh, Jacksonville, DJ Chark in the same. Yeah. And then you have, Again, rookies in some of those locations that we'll see. I mean, we're kind of talking about how you might want to dodge that because of the transition. But guys, like you mentioned, Judy, I think, has transcended on all levels. And I don't think they're too concerned about Judy fitting into that offense at all. Yeah, I actually think that Judy eats into Cortland Sutton's production. So I think he's going to take a step back. Again, another slot guy is also K.J. Hamler. Mm-hmm. Uh, so out of Denver as well, he'll, he'll play that slot position. He has a ton of speed as well. So he, he could be valuable late in drafts as well. He's another guy that I like at them targeting late. So that's a guy in our league. Yeah. And I told you about that. So I was worried about taking a young receiver. So I ended up taking Judy as my wide receiver two in a three wide receiver league. And so I took T Y, but then I needed a fourth guy. And so instead of trying to get another older established guy, what I did was I kind of took both young guys in KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy in dynasty rookie drafts. You're not going to be able to do that, but if you can try to do that, I don't think it hurts because especially in that offense with the way it's going, one of those guys is going to feast um, and definitely counter what Cortland Sutton's doing with especially how that offense is looking like it's going to go with Noah Fant and whatnot. So Mage, that's about it. Unless you have any good fantasy questions for me, that's all I got for you. No, um, at the moment, I do not. But um, I will certainly text you with them when I do. Unfortunately, it'll probably be off air, though. Yeah, it probably will be off air. And I did not hit you up about fantasy advice. I tried to be a big boy and made some decisions on my own. Of course, there are some repercussions to those things. But I think (laughs) I did end up winning the draft uh, or that trade, I should say. And we have more stuff up ahead together. So, That'll be exciting to uh, continue our back and forth with fantasy advice, especially for when we start a Giants league, which is something the fans could actually look forward to as well. Me, you, Murph, a bunch of the other Giants Twitter guys have a fantasy league set up. It's not completely full yet, but we are working on it. We're finding all our Giants talking heads, and that'll be plenty of content for the people. But, Mage, thank you very much for coming on, my man. This was awesome as always. Appreciate you. Thank you. That interview with the mage was brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? All right, guys, that's our show. A big shout out to Mage for coming on again. Hope you guys appreciated the fantasy advice. I hope you guys get prepared for your seasons by listening to us. We give out some good stuff. We definitely know what we're talking about.
And if you don't believe us, I'll hope to change your mind in the upcoming season. But that is it for our show today. Be sure to follow the show account at NYFootballPod on Twitter, as well as myself at Tino Rodriguez. Thank you guys for listening in. As always, download, like, subscribe, and rate on all platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Do it all. See you guys next week. Stay safe. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.